This program is part of Full Service Radio, an internet radio station and podcast network with over 32 weekly shows broadcasting from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. All of our hosts are Washington, D.C. locals, covering stuff like music, arts, culture, identity, politics, and so much more. Visit fullserviceradio.org for all of our programming and enjoy the show. Full Service Radio also proudly brought to you by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I live, work, and love beer here in D.C. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer. I continued my studies in beer in grad school at NYU. And since then, I have been a beer director, beer consultant, beer bar general manager. I currently teach, write, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a different guest from different parts of the beer world, from brewers to importers, bartenders, educators, uh, to help us explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you are new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Today, I am very excited. We are joined by Justin Cox, uh, founder and CEO of Atlas Brew Works in Ivy City here in Washington, D.C. They opened up in September 2013. Justin, thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me out. Uh, and I see that you brought us a beer. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. This is our La Saison des Fêtes, which is loosely translates to party season in French. <laughs> Sounds a little bit more elegant uh, in the different language. Um, but this is a winter seasonal beer that we make. So Saison, uh, you know, traditionally very varied category. This one is a little bit higher on the alcohol than traditional and a little bit deeper in color as well. Um, so really the defining characteristic of course is the saison yeast that we are using which gives a nice kind of beautiful earthiness and bready character to it um you can see the color is a little bit more more amber um, than a traditional saison which is a result from a lot of um, abbey malt that we're using in there which gives it that nice color and a little deep sweetness to it um and we actually use a, it's a little bit it's not a hoppy beer at all but use a little bit of check or not sorry a little bit of triscoll hops from france um which we stumbled upon at the craft brewers conference in dc back in 2012 i guess was the last time it was here and there was we were on the uh, trade show floor and there was a little table with two french guys selling hops and we didn't realize that france produced hops and so they said they would send us a sample and instead you no know, normally your sample is a few ounces or so but they sent us four pounds of, of hops so <laughs> we said all right we're gonna make a beer with this now so uh, what are some of the characteristics that you typically find with these hops so the hops themselves, um, I mean, we're really just using them in this beer to uh, kind of balance out a little bit of that sweetness, because obviously that's a, a very important part of beer, is balancing the sweetness with a little bit of bitterness from the hops. Um, not a whole lot of, or if any, really aroma um, from these hops, um, but you get a little bit of kind of herbal grassiness to it. Yeah. I think it's very faint. Definitely. Well, cheers. Cheers. Thank you. So... 
Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, thanks. Um, what uh, what yeast are you? You said a saison yeast, but is this you know, is this just your run of the mill saison yeast? Is there anything special about it? Um, the yeast is actually it's an Ardennes yeast, so it's you know, native to or cultivated from the Ardennes region of Belgium and France. Um, so you know, Belgian variety. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, the kind of characteristics of it, of course, the, the higher you ferment, uh, the higher the temperature rises in the fermentation, it throws off a lot of kind of crazy, beautiful uh, esters and kind of earthy notes to it, almost some kind of fruit banana when you get to the really extreme uh, range of the temperature scale. And so we're fermenting this one kind of in the, I don't know, about the 75% range or so temperature wise. So it just kind of contributes, like I said, that, that sort of spicy character to it and earthiness. And we get a lot of people ask what spices we're using in this beer and there are absolutely zero spices in the beer. All that, all that character comes from, uh, from the yeast. Well, this is beautiful. This is definitely a great food beer. I mean, you could pair this with almost anything I would say. I mean, absolutely. We have some, some pairings on the side of the, uh, the bottle there actually including uh reindeer steaks oh yeah i see it says spicy (laughs) sausage resolutions and reindeer steak (laughs) but yeah you could i mean any kind of game this would go great with any kind of game bird probably as well so absolutely i think the you know the flavor is pretty robust and so it stands up to a lot of uh it can stand up to a lot of uh a lot of kind of larger proteins nice well so this is um you know something kind of new and exciting for you all I actually want to talk a little bit about a beer that is one of your flagship beers um, that you see all over the district, uh, and that is your District Common. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, one of the first two beers that we ever produced at Atlas. Um, It was actually a homebrew recipe of mine from way back in the day that we took and scaled up when starting the uh, production brewery. Um, But yeah, it's a District Common. It's a California Common lager, which used to be called Steam Beer, but then Anchor trademarked that in the 80s, and they're very litigious. And so the new new name for that style is California Common. Um, but the the origination of the style actually happened when during the, the gold rush and westward expansion that lots of German immigrants who had a very rich history of lager brewing moved out to the West Coast to try to strike it rich, took that tradition with them, but they did not have the infrastructure in place to, uh, to lager beers at the correct temperatures because there was no refrigeration. And they didn't have the lagering cellars and caves established. Um, they did back in the in the mother country, and so their lager yeast adapted to those conditions. And so traditionally, lagers are fermented at very low temperatures, and therefore the flavor profile is very clean and crisp, um, as opposed to ales which are fermented at higher temperatures, which allow the yeast to kind of uh, give off a lot more a lot more character and and esters into the beer. And so the California Common style is sort of a hybrid of those two things, born out of necessity. So it's a lager yeast. Um, but ferment at fermented at ale temperature, so you get a lot of cr- kind of clean crispness from from the uh, the actual lager yeast. The actual mm-hmm. organism is the lager yeast, um, but you get some kind of bready and fruity notes thrown out there from the higher fermentation temperature as well. Um, and then our version of the beer, we use a little bit of caramel malt, so it's kind of very. It's meant to be just a very approachable and nuanced lager. Um, that 5.1 percent ABV and. On a hot, hot summer day in D.C., a nice, cool district common does the trick. Yeah. Now, the name Steam Beer, <clears throat> I'm sorry, California Common, we can't use that anymore. That's right. Um, there are a lot of different stories that you see kind of, you know, what inspired that name. One of them being that the cooling vessels that they would use, they'd put on top 
um, of the brewery at Anchor Steam, and you know you'd see the steam come up off the roof. Um, it's a highly carbonated beer, so they had to release the pressure a little bit from some of the kegs when they were tapping it, and so you hear that kind of whistly noise like a steam engine. Um, there, there are a bunch of other stories as well, but um, which one do you believe? That so the latter story you mentioned is the one that I've I've heard most, and so that that the idea was that you're right that the beer would. They were um, likely bottle-conditioned beers um, mm-hmm. way back then, and so when they were when packaging in bottles, you know, the amount of carbonation was probably varied from bottle to bottle, and um, the style in general does have a little bit of a higher carbonation level than than other beers may, and so I think that name might have come from you know when people are opening opening uh, popping those popping the bottles, then <laughs> you get a nice rush of uh, rush of CO2 coming out of there that sort of reminiscent of steam and sound and and look. Uh, but I mean, who knows? You know, that was two hundred and some years ago. That yeah, we're... still going strong though. I like That's it. right. Yeah, <laughs> they did something right. So I mean, I see Atlas cans all over the city. Um, I see Atlas beer, you know, in different beer bars and that kind of thing. Uh, what was it like, you know, kind of getting started and being one of the major uh, breweries in the in the city, kind of right at the beginning of this beer scene, kind of blossoming? Yeah, I mean, I think we were timing-wise, we were we were very fortunate, you know. And I, I'm the first one to admit that there's a lot of luck involved, and and lots of business, and timing is one portion of that. Um, but we were the the fourth brewery to open up, um, production brewery to open up in the district, and of of those four, three still remain. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of I set out to share my my passion for beer with the district and beyond, and. Um, it's a really kind of surreal and cool feeling to see uh, see the beers all around around town, um, but I, I think we my approach was you know when we came to market there was DC Brow of course the first ones to open up mm-hmm. very focused on um, on hop hop forward beers um, and Three Stars was also open at the time and so you know they were really kind of an, an artisanal saison house at that that moment and so I tried to come and bring bring beers that kind of filled what I saw was the gap there and that that um, our initial offerings were district common which we just talked about which mm-hmm. no one was making kind of a nice uh, nice approachable lager in the district um, and then rowdy was the other one which was another another one of my homebrew recipes actually that uh, has migrated over or evolved over about 10 years or so before scaling it up but just kind of you know a very unique beer as kind of a counterpoint to district common it's got some hops in it it's not beat you over the head and hoppy mm-hmm. um, but enough hops to satisfy uh, the hop heads out there and provide a little counterpoint to to district common Rowdy is the rye IPA? Yes. Okay. We, we, we made up the style and we call it a hop forward rye because it really doesn't, doesn't fit into a, a traditional category. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's kind of amber or someone said burnt sienna on the internet one time. Color and I like that. So we'll, we'll go with that. It's burnt sierra in, in color um, with a kind of a nice balanced hop presence to it. Nice. So, but you, so you're not a DC local. Correct. You're Correct. from. Yeah, I grew up in East Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Went to school in Nashville, and then moved up here chasing a girl um, right after undergrad. But so. Hey, I mean, usually people just come here for work, so that's more exciting. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I came up with with no job and about eight weeks worth of money, and then managed to find some work right uh, right before I had to move back to Tennessee. Um, but that was in 2004. Mm-hmm. So been here for coming up on 15 years. Nice. You've done pretty well for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, this is definitely, definitely my hometown now. 
So something that I personally really appreciate about Atlas is that I feel like you really embrace the idea of bettering the community around you. And this is something that you find a lot with craft breweries. And it's something that I'm a big proponent of is that craft beer is really good for um, society. It's really good for communities. And typically you see brewers, you know, buying Air, you know, into areas that are not as developed, you know, as a beginning brewer, you're finding the cheapest possible space that you can. Um, and then, you know, kind of building out from that, typically a brewery will get a tap room and it'll start attracting people on the weekends. And, you know, then you start giving back. And I feel like, you know, Atlas has a really good practice of giving back to the community. One of those things being your guest bartending, um, uh, weekends that you do can mm-hmm. you kind of elaborate on that for us yeah sure I mean I mean giving back to the community is something that we're that we try to ingrain into our ethos at Atlas and you know I think it's everyone's responsibility to do that and especially on the business side if you're able to kind of build those mechanisms into your model then you know as you grow then the benefits um, you know extend well beyond just internally in the company which I think is important um, but in particular, our celebrity, or not celebrity, charity guest bartending uh, program, as we do in the last Sunday of every month, we'll invite a different organization, nonprofit organization, to come into the, uh, the tap room. And then they provide bartenders for um, a certain period of time throughout the day, normally about one to eight or so. And then the tips that are made through that organ- or through their bartending are donated to the organization. And so it's kind of a program meant to give organizations looking for fundraising, you know, kind of a cool and and interesting and and unusual uh, method of doing so, and also allows us at Atlas to expose all all our built-in consumer base to these causes um, that are are out there. And so it's kind of a little little two-fold whammy. Nice. Which ones do you have? uh, Was there one coming up soon, I imagine? We just did um, Habitat for Humanity. They have a basis in Ivy City in our neighborhood, Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have another one coming up. I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> we'll take a look. Um, and I was actually, I was looking at your calendar a little bit, and I noticed that you also have local, uh, you know, musicians performing or different shows. A lot of metal. A lot of metal. I, I discussed this with uh, Thor uh, from Right Proper mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago, the obsession or the connection between the brewing world and the metal world. I, and I can't figure it out at all. I mean, I think it's nerds. <laughs> I think metal guys and beer guys are both nerds. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of came about from, uh, one of our brewers who, um, has since moved on from Atlas and gone to work for the government and actually, um, huge metal guy. And mm-hmm. he kind of was playing around with the idea and wanted, you know, was friends with a promoter who decided, all right, let's give it a shot. And, you know, we've got space at the brewery. It's kind of a cool, unique venue. The acoustics are horrible. I'll say that up front. It's just concrete <laughs> upon concrete. Um, but it's, you know, aesthetically cool. Um, and like I said, we've got space that we're not using for production for some of these, uh, you know, during the evenings. And I think we've kind of gotten a reputation, a good reputation with bands because we're not, I don't know a whole lot about the traditional music business, but we're not, you know, taking a cut of their tickets or their merch. We're just basically saying here, you know, come in and and play music and we'll sell beer and then everybody's happy. Nice. Well, uh, definitely check out a show. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with uh, Justin Cox.
this track is called Turquoise by a producer named Kenny Brown, DC-based. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Beer Me. Uh, we are sitting down with Justin Cox from Atlas Brew Works in Ivy City here in Washington, D.C. We're talking about how a brewery gives back to the community. Uh, one thing that I definitely wanted to talk about was a very recent project for you all, uh, Ugly and Stoned. Um, this is a beer that came about uh, to battle food waste. Yeah, so we, we were um, approached by the Environmental Working Group and Plate of the Union, or two organizations who work a lot here um, on the Hill with food policy. Um, and they kind of actually through our charity guest bartending program had heard about and wanted to get with us to see what, how we could work together. F- found out a little bit more about what they do and you know the issue behind their cause and that our conversations quickly escalated from, well, instead of coming in and serving beer, let's make a beer. And... Um, um, so we we ended up hooking up with uh, Mom's Organic Market, um, you know, a, a regional organic grocery store here, which we do a lot of work with, to recapture a lot of their ugly fruit. So, you know, um, the season that we made this beer, that fruit um, happened to be stone fruit, which is where we got the name Ugly and Stone. So mm-hmm. the, the fruit's perfectly edible, just something that's not aesthetically pleasing. If it gets a bruise on it, um, then consumers don't want to buy it. And so that normally would go into the trash, uh, into a, a waste stream. And so we were able to recapture a lot of that um, that fruit, use that as a fermentable um, in an, a, a uh, kettle-soured uh, American sour beer um, that we named Ugly and Stoned. And then putting that beer out into the market allowed not only the beer was delicious, um, it was a very cool way to recapture um, you know, some of the some of the. F- food that would have been wasted, um, but it also allows us to get the story and the message out about food waste in America in a, in a very, you know, kind of cool and unique way. And I, like I said, I knew not a lot about that issue until getting uh, getting involved with them, but we waste 40% of the food that we produce in this country, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, the standards that we have for our produce is also a little insane, um, but it's nice to hear. I mean, from a brewer's perspective, you... If you want to do a beer with fruit in it, which has become very popular these past couple of years, fruit's expensive, uh, not only you know to buy it, but also to process it. Mm-hmm. So you've access to all this great fruit. The grocery store that you partnered with, Mom's Organic, you know, was able to uh, give that to you all, you know, without having to dump it, you know, into you know a landfill essentially. Um, so are you all looking to do this again? We are, yes. So we were already kind of working out the logistics with moms um, about this upcoming. So last year we did a single 20-barrel batch of the beer. Mm-hmm. And this year we're hoping to do about 60 barrels or so because we're also going to put the beer into cans. So rather than just draft, we'll have in cans as well. But it is a little logistically challenging because we have to gather all the fruit and uh Gather. We have to have moms gather fruit. Then we have to pick up the fruit from moms and get it to the brewery. And as you said, process it, which means destoning all of the fruit and then pasteurizing it. And um, it's it's a bit of a logistical nightmare, but it's a cool and fun project. And you know something something different from the normal day to day. And if we can pull it off, you know, then we just that's triple the amount of beer we have to you know hopefully triple the amount of message we're getting out. Now, 
when you say de-stone, for those of you out there, basically you're physically taking the pit out one by one. Correct. Uh, there's no machine that does this. Not that I'm aware of, or yeah. at least at our, <laughs> at our level, for sure. So this is, yeah. You know. So this is volunteers coming in, and what is it called? You had a stoning party. We had a stoning party, <laughs> that's right. So most of the fruit, they were all stone fruits. It was mainly peaches, nectarines, and some plums, which all, mm-hmm. of course, have a stone, which is why they're stone fruit. Um, but yeah, we just basically had a lot of our staff and in, invited some of uh, some people from EWG and Play to the Union um, and the general public to come in and help us de-stone all of, all of this fruit, which, you know, for, for the 20-barrel batch we did, I mean, it was probably a four-hour process with about 15 people or so working at it. So no, no small task. And yeah, we're that's a lot. do that three times over this year. Nice. Well, that's awesome. And you released the previous one at Savor uh, this past year. Um, are you going to be able to feature that again at, at any event, or are you going to, you know, do a big release? I imagine we definitely will do a big release. We haven't gotten that far in, into scheduling um, scheduling that, nor have we really talked to Saver about um, about repeating what we had, had done last year. Um, we got out in front of the logistics a little bit on, on the production of the beer, but not not as much on the downstream portion of that yet. But absolutely, we'll be doing doing a big release um, a big release party somewhere for sure. Nice. That's excellent. Excellent. And can, I mean, can people volunteer to help you uh, take the pit? Yeah, I would say just, you know, (laughs) follow us on, on social media and Mm -hmm. we'll probably end up posting on Facebook when we're, uh, we have a date um, ready to do that. Cause like I said, it's uh, some of the logistics are a little bit hairy on when mom's waste stream is a little bit varied depending on their demand of course and then when we're able to get the get the fruit so date tbd but um but absolutely just follow us on uh keep an eye on our social media for updates on that nice we'll definitely check that out uh now you know caring about environmental issues uh is nothing new to atlas uh from what i understand from 2015 you're 100 percent solar powered Yes, yeah, so we've got a, a large 68 um, kilowatt solar array on a roof, which provides um, net 100% of our electricity. So we don't have any battery backup systems, so at night we are pulling electricity from the grid. But during the day, our system is large enough that we're producing twice what we actually use, and so we're pushing that rest back into the grid. And so the net comes out to about 100% of our um, electricity being provided by the sun. Have you, have, have you ever had any like snafus or anything, or anything... I have to be honest that electricity is pretty magic to me. I don't really understand how uh, how it all works, but no, it it, it doesn't. It, it's more just the supply of our electricity comes from the sun rather than like when when you know if it's a cloudy day, we just mm-hmm. produce less solar and we're able to make that up from the grid. And then on a super sunny day, we're producing more than we're using, and so that goes back out. So no no snafus yet. Nice. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, solar power is like also magic to me. So, you know, it's like <laughs> I asked this question and I'm, you know, it's not a hundred percent sure of where it's going to go. <laughs> uh, well, is there anything else new and exciting on the horizon for, uh, for Atlas Brewworks? Well, we've got, we're releasing our spring, um, Pilsner home rule, which is named after the act in the seventies allowed DC to have its own city council and mayor rather than just be a ward of Congress. Nice. Um, so we, we, it's a rotating hot beer for us. So, um, hundred percent Pilsner malt. And then we feature Waimea, hops from New Zealand each year, which mm-hmm. gives kind of a nice sort of almost grassy lemon lime, um, note to it. And this year we're pairing it with a Zaka hops. Um, which is a Pacific Northwest hop. It's going to give it some real kind of like dankness and nice fruit notes to it. Um, but we'll be releasing that beer at the end of, end of uh, this month, end of January. 
Nice. Well, definitely make sure to keep your eyes out for that in stores and in bars. Uh, follow uh, Atlas Brewworks on social media if you want to take uh, pits out of a lot of stone fruit <laughs> to help combat food waste in the U.S. Um, and Justin, thank you so much for coming here and talking to us today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This was fun. Excellent. Uh, well, thank you all for listening to Beer Me on Full Service Radio. Uh, we've been broadcasting and recording live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Uh, I am your host, Sarah Jane. This show airs live every Monday at 11 a.m. and is archived on fullserviceradio.org. Uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Full Service RDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio, or by emailing info at fullserviceradio.org. Thank you so much for listening. The theme song is by Flash Frequency called Psychedelic Surf Wave. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.